You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. listening right now this uh, first 10 to 15 second segment of the show is uh, listening to matt getting ready for the podcast basically he's uh he's got to get his arm bar in place he's got to put his coffee down his phone he's got to turn his phone on vibrate um i i feel well, like i'm sorry mark some of us have things to do <laughs> it's true you do have things to do <laughs> i've I already don't. had three meetings before we're taping at like t- 11 30 yeah we don't I've already have three do meetings and written a proposal so yeah. what have you done besides wait for me I wrote five stories for the website. I find that hard to believe. Look it up. Five uh, stories? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Count them off. All right, here we go. Uh, Gilda's Laugh Fest. You wrote that for Embargo last night, yesterday. Yeah, that counts for today. <laughs> what does it? Tom Papa. Since this morning. Tom Papa's special <laughs> is okay, premiering this today. Friday. Okay. A uh, new video for Fist Fight, which is coming out starring Charlie Day, Ice Cube. Uh, giving everyone a sneak peek of Conan Without Borders, which premieres tonight. Okay. And uh, what else did I sneak in here? So so far you're at four. Yeah, four. All right. Uh, oh, and then uh, and then we have. Uh, Good. You're doing work today. Yeah, we have a new feature coming <laughs> out just a little bit. New game changers of comedy, Bernie Mac edition. You didn't write that though. Uh, no, but I had to proofread Copy it and, and paste it. Yeah. Well, I had to fix it. <laughs> All I'm There's always say, fixes. My morning's been way more productive than yours. Uh, I don't I'm know, saying. man. I don't know. I'm just saying, you have a nice uh, festive shirt on today. I do. I have a nice festivist shirt, yeah, if you will. Tonight's, the, uh, tonight's the, the office holiday party. Yeah, that's true. Today is the holiday office party. Um, I guess at the airing of this podcast, we'll know uh, who you had mm-hmm. already. For Secret Santa. Well, for Secret Harry. We call it Secret Harry because it's a merging of Secret Santa and Hanukkah Harry. Right. To be a little bit more non-denominational. Is that what it is? Hanukkah Harry? Well, that's what... I, I don't know if that's what it really is, but that's right. what we've always joked that it is. Oh, gotcha. Hanukkah okay. Harry, so it became Secret Harry. So, just, so it's Secret Santa and Hanukkah Harry together. Okay. So for everyone listening, there we only have two denominations in this office, apparently. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I believe there's only... I mean, if we had a different religion in the office, we'd, I'm sure we'd incorporate that too. Yeah, I think so. We don't, so, uh, it's, so. It's, it's for the Christians and for the Jews. All right, Matt. Well, lots to talk about. Yes. Uh, speaking of Gilda's Laugh Fest, they just announced yes. uh, their official dates and their first round of talent. Uh, the first batch of headliners, uh, Eliza Schlesinger, mm-hmm. who is going to own 2017. She kind of owned 2016, so why not own 2017? We might as well do it. And yeah, uh, yeah she's doing it kind of like a, what we call a sports year, where it's like half of 2016 and then <laughs> half of 2017. Fiscal year? Is yeah. that what they call it? Like yeah. Fiscal years usually like change over in like the middle of uh, like Jan- uh, July, I think, is when a yeah. fiscal year. So that's kind of what's going on with Eliza. So she's going to be up there along with your best bud. Sinbad, my homie. Sinbad's gonna be uh, headlining Sinbad's as well. And if anyone has a problem with Sinbad, come talk to me. I'll, I'll sort you out. Sinbad is one of the funniest comedians in the history of comedy. He is awesome. He's man. great. He's, awesome. he's a, first of all, he's a very nice guy. He's a great guy. Second of all, his comedy is multi generational. You can it's watch timeless. it with your mom. You can watch it with your grandma. You can watch it with your kids. You can watch it with whomever. And uh, yeah, he's just a very funny dude. I don't feel like Sinbad gets the due that he deserves. Um, because I've seen those Sinbad HBO specials. Some of my earliest recollections uh, recollections of comedy are watching those Sinbad HBO specials, like Afros and Bell Bottoms and stuff like that. And those are some funny ass specials, man. Dude, live at the theater at Madison Square Garden, Afro and Bell Bottoms. Was that where it was? Yeah, the theater at the Garden. Yep, I believe theater that. at the Garden, man. What That's, did that uh, come out in? The only reason I know that is because the first time I ever went into the theater okay. at Madison Square Garden. Those lights that align the ceiling. Yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, the it's, Sinbad lights!" It's the Sinbad lights. I thought I just thought it was like his setup. You know, I'm like, "Dude's rocking. He's hanging Christmas lights across the top of the wherever he's filming this thing." And then I went in. I'm like, the "Holy shit, Sinbad this is bad lights." <laughs> See, you have memories of Sinbad sure, of lights. Of course, too. unnecessary roughness twice in the theater. Big Andre Crane or Andre Cole? Andre Crane, one of those. Crane. Like Andre Crane. Andre Crane, don't eat meat because Andre <laughs> Crane is a vegetarian. Who's <laughs> the first vegetarian I knew, too? Uh, hilarious. <laughs> well, his character. I don't know. Yeah, first. So, first yeah, Necessary Rough, this was probably like, what, 96, 95? And his God, HBO specials had to be late 80s, like, early 90s. I feel like Necessary Roughness might have been earlier than that. Let me look it up. I remember as a, like, a child watching that with my... Well, a teenager watching that with my friends. Scott Bakula. Yes, yeah, Scott Bakula. Kathy Ireland. Kathy Ireland. Oh, my God. Kathy Ireland. That was, this is she gonna, was 
like the the peak Kathy Ireland, peak Kathy Ireland, like dream girl model at the time. Sure, she was the kicker, mm-hmm. and now she's like some sort of like uh, some like clothing mogul. She yep. has like a, some empire man. She has a, like a billion dollar empire of clothing. Yeah. Dude, Robert Loggia was in this Robert movie. Robert Loggia was in that Larry movie. Larry Miller. Remember when Robert Loggia had Rob, the... Had, had dude, the, Rob Schreier. Jason Bateman. Ro, ro, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot he was remember in when, Remember when uh, Robert Loggia had the meltdown? He's like, yeah, yeah break off their nets and you shit down their throats. <laughs> like, I just remember, I remember like being a child being like, oh, my God, I shouldn't be watching that. What year we got Necessary Roughness? Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you, man. Oh, man. It's, uh, I, I'm thinking late 90s, but it's got, it may be earlier. It might be like 92, 93. 1991. Oh my gosh! Jeez, <laughs> so I was, I was 11 or 12 when I first saw that movie. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's the uh, film that delivered the line, "Holy Toledo, Ohio!" Yes, it did. Dudes up in the booth, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was money. <laughs> I thought you want to do one of these? I got to go back and watch. I got to watch it, it too. Uh, what do you I'm think? Sure, it doesn't hold up. There's <laughs> no way that movie holds you up. You just told me Sinbad was timeless. <laughs> I did, but I didn't say just Scott Bakula was timeless, and he's the main, <laughs> he's the main, he's the main character. Yeah, he plays a quarterback. You do it? Yeah, basically the premise of Necessary Roughness for people who haven't seen the movie, and why would you? Uh, well, do, you the want, movie. do you want me to give you the uh... Scott Bakula is probably like a late thirties, forty year old man at the time of this movie coming out, and he basically goes back to play college football. Um, it is. It was Texas. Uh, so uh, I remember their uniforms are green and white. Yep, Texas Colts. Texas Colts. Uh, give me, give me Bacula's name. What, Mister Blake? I know Blake was his last name because there's the big center, the big Samoan center who always say like, "Follow me, Mister Blake." So I remember his name was Blake. But he went back to college, uh, and 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 started. And Larry, I want to say Larry Miller was in it too. He played like the the, the dean or the yeah, superintendent. Yeah, he was the dean. Yeah, yeah, the, like the one who's like, "You're done with it." Uh, but, <laughs> Why do I remember all this crap from this movie? You know, movie? now that I think about it, it's very similar to Major League. In oh, the, in the sense completely! That it was it's like the football version tra- of Major oh, League. Totally, it totally is. It's like he goes back and I plays. Uh, so he goes back and plays uh, college college football, and he's a quarterback. And uh, you know, he he finally gets out to re- relive those dreams. And and Sinbad doesn't play a high school student, a college student either. He plays. He was like a was he like a janitor or something? And then like he goes and like recruits him. Scott Bakula recruits him mm-hmm. and says like, "Come play with me." And everyone else is supposed to be a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, he still has While eligibility. you're watching it, you're looking at these guys, and these guys are probably they're actors, and they're probably playing. They're probably like 25, 26 playing like 18, 19 year olds, but like they look so old. They do. They, do. <laughs> they don't look like 20 year olds. It's like watching PCU and trying to suspend disbelief that Jeremy Piven is like a 23 year old man. Yeah, when he's like half bald. <laughs> when he's like seconds. bald and 37 yeah. in the movie. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> well, there's a lot of other great names here to bring it back to uh, oh Gilda's Laugh Fest. Why? Uh, why? Why would we just talk about necessary roughness for the rest of the Well, podcast. I want to let everyone know they can get these badges, right? You got Matthew Broussard's going to be there. <sighs> Uh, Ali Sadiq, uh, Liz Mealy, Christian Finnegan, Megan Gailey, Shane Torres, our buddy, Ricky yeah. Velez, formerly of uh, The Nightly Show. Mm-hmm. These are just some of the people that are going to be up there. And these are the only ones announced. You know, obviously, uh, more headliners and and uh, more folks that are going to be involved. Yeah, are- I mean, no matter what the price of a tick, a badge is to Laugh Fest, it's worth it. Yeah, 100%. And it's really cool. It's like community-oriented. Yeah. You get to hang out in these neighborhoods that are you know vital to the mm-hmm. city. They have this kick-ass place called The Bob. Yeah. And uh, it's like a multi-level, multi-tier facility that has like a restaurant in it. But then the next level is like a... Uh, a, a showcase room yeah, you know, for and comedy. I want to say Dr. Green's is in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah in the Bob. Yeah. It's really cool. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's. I think the closest thing you could kind of equate it to, uh, if people living in Chicago, is like what like Second City is. Right. Up Comedy Club. Actually, is Up Comedy Club around anymore? I heard it closed. But you had like Second City, and you had like there's a, there's multi tiers. There's different venues and yeah, different tier, facilities and in different there. Facilities, and by the time you get up there, it's like, uh, you know, you have a comedy club at the top. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for Gilda's Laugh Fest. It's yeah. one of those festivals I I've yet to actually make it out there. And it looks like we're going to make it out there this year. Um, and every time I hear about it, it's like, oh, that's so cool. It's literally just like great comedians, great hang, great community. Because it's Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's not like it's the middle of like a major metropolitan right. area. Right. So all of Grand Rapids just kind of turns out to have fun at this festival. So it should be a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. Got to sneak up there last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, got the royal treatment. Man, did they take care of us. It was awesome. And, and it's uh, March 9th through the 19th, just so you know, everyone. You can head over to laughbutton.com, get more information, yeah, yeah, yeah. how you can get badges, all that good stuff. And uh, and yeah, last year just the two, there was almost too much talent. It's yeah. one of those festivals where you're like, there's actually just too much here to see. 
Um, all right. Also coming out uh, this week tomorrow, uh, Tom Papa's new special on Epics called Human Mule. We have a trailer there you could check out. Take this a is sneak his peek. Third for Epics. Uh, second, second or third? Second, okay. Second, yeah. And uh, but I think it's his fourth special overall. I want to say the last two Rob Zombie directed mm-hmm. live in New York, and then that one that was very colorful, the very colorful one that uh, where he dressed in like a purple suit. It was very much throwback to like a psychedelic seventies uh, style. Wonder freaked he, out, freaked out. That's what I'm thinking. Wonder of. if he did that intentionally because he was filming um, uh, behind the candelabra and he had to have the chops. <laughs> it's possible. The sideburns. I, but I but I want to say like he like because the Rob Zombie one live in New York was very tonally different it was no audience shots light on light on like crowd reactions and all that kind of stuff it was like tom microphone stage spotlight Mm -hmm. that's all you really saw uh when he was on stage and that was like by design by him and rob zombie and then they wanted to do something completely different so they went loud and bright and colorful and psychedelic too so is rob zombie involved with this one uh, no. Okay, no, so Rob Zombie did two of them, yeah. With this one. Uh, we made it 10 minutes without mentioning who's even on this episode of the podcast. We're very psyched to have the bass player from a very kick-ass band called Red Fang. Yeah. These guys are hilarious. Uh, first of all, they're an amazing band. Like, just straight up, if you like music, if you like it a little bit on the tastier side, and by tastier, like, I mean heavier. If you like riff-heavy beard Donor rock. Yeah, these guys are right up your alley. They're crushing it right now. Brand new album out on Relapse Records called Only Ghosts. Yeah, and Bram Tideman from our sister site Metal Insider sat in on this. Yeah, he well. joined us, which is yeah. very cool. And and uh, Bram was kind enough to take me out to the show to go see Red Fang, and uh, man, they crushed it. And I'm glad we got Aaron on the pod because uh, not only does he play bass, but he rocks a croaky. We talk uh, about that, in yes. which we talk about because this guy wears glasses on stage, and you're like. This guy's headbanging the whole time. How, how the hell is... What, what's going on here? Uh, so he explains that uh, myth yeah. uh, as well, which is very cool. So, And, and these guys, while they tour... Um, they're big fans of comedy. If you watch any of their videos, like they have a parody video of the Predator movie. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of comics appear throughout their videos, like Fred Armisen and Brian, and Brian Posehn and stuff. So these guys are definitely in tune with comedy. So uh, stick around for the interview with Aaron of uh, Red Fang. Mm-hmm. Good times, man. All right. Tasty. Tasty. What else jams. is going on? I know what else is going on. The uh, Grammy Award nominations yeah. were announced. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And this is very cool. A uh, shout out to uh, Patton Oswalt. Again, after uh, we posted this this story, uh, Patton sort of uh, threw, a, <laughs> threw a grenade in there a little bit uh, sure. with his tweet. He was like, hey, uh, beyond, in all caps, yeah. beyond excited to be nominated alongside three of the other four <laughs> nominees. Which is a very patent thing to do. He did yeah. it last year for the Grammys, too. Yeah, can't all be winners. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Yeah. And uh, that started the, quite the healthy discussion. Of who who's the one that he yeah, was throwing the shade one? at. And, and people were like, oh, why do, what do you have against David Cross? Yeah, and some people were like, oh, what do you got against Tig? And what do you got against Amy? And yeah, it was, it was very funny. funny very well, he funny. did it last year when he was nominated. Like he, would, like, he was like, he said something to the effect of like, all right, now it's my time to go vanquish my four foes. Or, and there's photos of him online of like taking on Weird Al and stuff too. So yeah, Patton was nominated for Talking for Clapping. Right, which was le- was released his, as a limited edition vinyl. His ne- which was his Netflix special released on vinyl right uh david cross make david america cross. great again yep uh you know he was nominated for that which is a netflix special turn vinyl pressing as well and uh all the sales from that are actually going to planned parenthood he made that announcement very recently yeah which is very uh, cool amy schumer live at the apollo live at the apollo and she was also nominated for two grammys not just the one but two yeah best other, spoken word yeah album for her audiobook version of said special i thought it was girl with the lower back tattoo just kidding it was <laughs> Which one is it, Mark? Which it is. is girl, girl uh, with the Listen, I'm the one that was in tattoo. meetings all day and you were on the internet. That's so true. I, I don't know what to tell you. If I know that's the true. answers, you don't. What's going on? <laughs> oh, and I typed it. That's bad. Yeah, that's that is really bad, too. Bad. And no, then, uh, yeah, no, she yeah. got best, best spoken word. Because she did spoken word for the girl to lower back to two. And mm-hmm. then uh, Tig Notaro mm-hmm. was also nominated for... Boyish Girl Interrupted. Which was, I believe, her HBO special. And that's the one where she goes topless the second half to show her, uh, her scars from her surgery. Mm-hmm. Her mastectomy scars. Uh, and Margaret show was nominated as well what's the name of the special mister i was in meetings all day uh, i'm blanking on it too american I'm, myth american I'm myth you. i'm not yes. gonna drag it so out so good old margaret Cho was nominated too so yeah i mean like 
this is a good, healthy group of no wrong specials. answers here. No, I mean, like, well, here's the thing: every time the Grammys are nominated, I'm like, eh, they missed out on blank. They missed out on blank, or it's like, oh, really? They just pulled the audio from Kathy Griffin's fifth Bravo special and just released it on iTunes and got nominated. So right. it's like, usually I have beef with the comedy category for Grammys. And while, yes, there were specials released this year that I like better, I don't think this was a miscalled with any of these nominations. This is who um, I would expect to get nominated yeah, yeah, and yeah. should get nominated. Like, yeah. I wish Dan Soda was on there. He's not of course, on I there. I wish Kyle Kinane was on there. Sure. You know, I wish uh, Jim but Jeffries was on there. But I get it. So, I get it. So, like, I get it, but at the same time, it's like, oh, none of these are like, oh, that's a that's a hack call or that's like a political call. Right. Like, you know, Patton won an Emmy for that special. So there's a good chance he's going to be a Grammy nomination. It would be really cool to see him win an Emmy and a Grammy uh, for this special, considering, you know, just kind of, and, and granted, that's not why you vote, but he had a pretty shit year, you know, between his wife dying. And, and I don't know if many people remember this. The news of his wife's passing happened like the Thursday before the Friday this special came out. Right. So he couldn't even really even celebrate the release of like his his special because he was grieving. He lost his wife. He lost his whole world got turned up upside down. So not that that's a reason to vote for a guy or or it's a reason to play favorites, but like you got to realize some of the situations and circumstances that, that like happen with that. And David Cross, it's his first uh, tour slash special in what nine years, something like that. So I think it's six years in, yeah, it was a very very long time. So he was just about to launch a tour, and we had him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Yeah, Todd Margaret, I'm going on the road," and then this is the culmination of that. So um, a lot of hard work going into stuff. Amy Schumer had a killer year, giant world tour. Two days, two nights at the garden. She did. She's going to Australia in a couple of weeks, or like right now, she's mm-hmm. in Australia, and you know, and she's going to play Barbie, and she's in talks to play the new Barbie. So like, she's had a monstrous year too. So like, I don't think any of these calls were wrong calls, but like, again, is it all? Does it all align with my taste in music? No. I mean, in, in comedy, no. But like, I don't think it ever really would with anyone. So I think it's all great calls. I don't think there's any. There's not a stinker in the bunch. Right. Well, I do know what aligns with uh, both are comedy likings and that's uh chris rock brand new total blackout tour he announced a whole bunch of dates this is very exciting and uh total blackout and i was talking to one of our coworkers, graham here and he he was like oh is he doing is he doing arenas is he doing stadiums and i'm like no he's just doing theaters it's like doing like theaters and casinos i don't want to say it's an underplay but it's like chris rock return well national tour it's huge here's what i think this is because he didn't deal with netflix for two specials Mm -hmm. as did Chappelle, but Chappelle did for three I think this is going to culminate in the first special, and then he's going to do another round of tours, probably more West Coast heavy, because this is very East and South heavy. This is like from like the middle of the country to the East, and I think the other special will be probably the middle of the country to the West, and he'll probably launch that like you know next year, like 2018 or something like that. That's what I'm thinking. but yeah, I mean, he's doing like, you know, the Brigada in Atlantic City, you know, which is, you know, it's a it's a giant, it's a big room, but it's not like, oh my God, it's not the garden. It's not the theater at the garden. But I also think that Chris Rock hasn't really done stand-up consistently and steady as a tour for a very long time. That's why it's a big deal. It's been nine years. All right. Starts on Valentine's Day. Yes. Carries on through the top of June, where, where you uh, mentioned Atlantic City. Uh, he'll be there to close out this first portion. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe, too, he's going to announce another another round. Uh, no doubt second, about I, it. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, Rock's always popped up in clubs and stuff. And um, he was very present in New York a couple weeks ago when Chappelle was in mm-hmm. New York doing all the SNL stuff and post-election stuff. And Rock was around there with him. So I think the dream of the Dave Chappelle-Chris Rock tour could happen. Now that Chappelle's quote-unquote Final, like fully back Yeah back back Yeah back back I think a Chappelle Rock tour Could be very cool I think it would make sense For Netflix Like mm-hmm. Adam Sandler And the do-over tour With all of his crew Kevin James and Rob Schneider All them I think a Rock Chappelle tour Is in our future If I were a betting man I couldn't tell you when But I think between These two guys Both having specials For uh, Netflix, uh, both having commitments to do new, uh, new hours of material, both of them, you know, two hours plus for both of them. I think uh, a, a joint tour between those dudes would be incredible. All right. Before we get to our interview with Aaron from Red Fang, I'm going to read off some quick headlines here real quick. Uh, everyone pay attention this weekend. John Cena hosting SNL. Uh, the Writers Guild Awards, uh, they announced their 2017 nominations, and Patton Oswalt's back to host that, which is very cool. 
Um, get ready for Office Christmas Party, uh, which is coming out this weekend, starring T.J. Miller, who's also the host of Annie's Critic Choice Awards. So be on the lookout for that. The fourth annual Wild West Comedy Festival announces their dates, and uh, that Larry the Cable Guy will be doing a one night only at the Ryman down in Nashville. The coveted Top 1,000 Comedians of 2016 list has arrived. Head to thelaughbutton.com to find out what's going on there. And uh, so much more. We have uh, some brand new reviews of the latest albums from Godfrey, Lachlan Patterson, and so many more. So head over to laughbutton.com. Check out all that stuff. In the meantime, here's our interview with a very funny and very awesome Aaron from Red Fang. Very excited about this one. Joined by Matt, as always. And a little crossover action with Bram from Metal Insider. What's up, man? Hi. Get comfy with the mic. Don't be so shy. Yeah, oh, you're like you. sitting away from it. Like I, you don't I'm know. Like you don't have to talk about it. It's all orange and bulbous. Don't worry about the size. I swallow like the mic. Things in my mouth. <laughs> Eat the goddamn microphone, Bram. Yes. This is Trump's America. Well, Bram, uh, you and I, orange. you and I went on a little uh, escapade this past weekend. We went Janet out to Jackson style. We did. In fact, we sang those songs all the way to the show. I mean, what better better way to pregame for a Red Fang show than a little True escapade story. from Janet Jackson? I can think of five better ways off the top of my head. All right, give me four of them, quick. Eat a slice of pizza. Okay. Eat barbecue. It's all eating. It's okay. all. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> like eating. <God>. It's <laughs> well. Before we get too carried away with that ridiculous number five list. is puking. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That voice you just heard, it, of course, is Aaron from Red Fang. Aaron, good to finally meet you. Nice to meet you. Congrats on the brand new album, Only Ghosts, Relapse Records, and uh, and a hell of a tour you're on right now. Yeah. With Torch and and Horse, and uh, you guys decide to go two syllables. That's fine. A little selfish. With the band, well, yeah, but we'll take you it. know, one each for the opening bands, and then yeah, we get two. So it's I divide. I like to divide things the way that Homer Simpson divides things: one for you, one for me, two for you, four for me. <laughs> That's good math. Now I'm excited that uh, you were the the cast member of Red Fang that that uh, came to the interview because you're the man behind the croaky, which I think is the the fifth member of Red Fang. It the could uns- be. The unsung hero yeah. that keeps those uh, glasses attached to your brain when you're you're rocking out. <laughs> yeah, the croaky from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Is that where it's from? Do you have a store? Do you have like a? That's a, just a where tailor? they're made. A tailor? No, if you will. I got them all from the Army Surplus Surplus Store in Portland. I buy like six or eight of them at a time, and I think they always look at me a little bit uh, funny when I do. But I go through them. I need them. <laughs> what is the what's the lifespan of the average croaky? Yeah, until, yeah. What is how, <laughs> how long before they croak? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's usually they'll last for a tour, maybe two tours. Okay, but I also lose them a lot. Except, yeah. Like, what would like the average human like? You like your dad? Everyone's dad has a croaky, correct? Uh, my dad he used to, but then he got that corrective surgery. He didn't want to deal with the. But like, anymore. but like your he dad just had his glasses implanted onto his into, head. He just glued them. Yeah, he actually yeah. got them permanently sewn. But I'm assuming nose. your dad would go through like one, two tops in his lifetime. I still have the croquis that I used to wear when I was uh, living in Colorado and skiing a lot. Okay. okay, and they're in perfectly good shape. So I think that yeah, croquis one pair should last you a lifetime, unless you really <laughs> it's not a great business want to you know express yourself through the different designs that croquis offers. But um, have I we usually seek, just go with black. <laughs> have we seek sponsorship? Like, is there is there that's a good idea? I never even impending, thought about that. I mean, lock that in. Yeah, I can't think of Bob. Bob, get on that. <laughs> Bob in the corner. He's texting. He's trying to get us on. He's trying to get us into uh, wrestling, puffy wrestling pants. But I think maybe croquis is the way to go (laughs) instead. Especially if they can make pants out of croquis. What is that material? It's like some rubbery. It's like it's like uh like almost like wetsuit material, correct? Yeah, kind of like foamy a little bit. How yeah. do we get on the topic of croquis? It's my fault. I'm yeah, sorry. it is. I just I was at the show and I'm like, this guy's wearing glasses while he's his head is going back and forth multiple times over the course. Well, it of used the to show. be when like, I had long hair, people there's you couldn't see their croquis, right? And so people were just totally mystified. They thought it was magic that my glasses would stay on. And so then I ruined it all by cutting my hair off. Oh, man. And that's all the time we have for this week of croaky talk. <laughs> this week and next week when <laughs> this week in croquis. <laughs> well, uh, look, Aaron, I'm very excited to have you on the pod because you're you're really tied to the comedy community. Uh, you know, in several of your videos, you featured comedians, and you guys are funny dudes yourselves. I appreciate that at the start of every show, you handshake each other. I can just tell you, you know, I can just tell there's this amazing 
comedy sensibility between everybody in the band is was comedy something you guys all found early on or was that bonded you is that what was bonding to you know the very early days of red fang uh well we definitely make fun of each other a lot and i guess that's a form of comedy and we all uh you know, you spend a lot of time rolling down the road in the van with not really very much to do. And so you, sometimes you get sick of listening to music and we all do appreciate comedy a lot. And I remember it, early on, I think one of the uh, things we bonded over was was Mitch Hedberg. And uh, yeah, we're all, all yeah big fans of comedy and we like to go see it live as much as possible. And um, there's definitely crossover between comedy and um, and heavy metal i don't know if you if you're familiar with uh well of course you are with uh uh why am i forgetting his name i'll just do some of his jokes just by the clearing of the exactly yeah, yep. he uh toured with a, one of our favorite bands the fucking champs way back mm-hmm. when and mm-hmm. i loved it it was like so awesome to see the crowds reacting to his particular brand of comedy with you know people who are fans of this this kind of weird a heavy metal band and then seeing their reactions to him was just uh it was a sight to behold someday i hope that we can actually tour with a comedian because it also seems a lot easier than touring with another band it's something that i feel like it's something that's kind of got got lost for a while and mm-hmm. it has slowly but started to come back like i always hear stories about like comedians open for like band x in the 60s 70s and whatever and i feel yeah. like it got lost at some point but like steve martin black sabbath yeah i heard I mean, that happened i, I mean then combo. you know you can fast forward even a little further is like you know there was that that the ill-fated like you know bill hicks was supposed to open for tool never really happened and then mm-hmm. like i feel like after that it's sort of trying to catch on some more too sure big jay okerson with the... oh jay would open for like he's open for all the bands he's yeah, he done went all. on a mayhem fest yeah and did stuff in between bands mm. it, it is awesome though i will say and i'm glad you brought up neil because he's awesome he's one of my all-time favorites yeah i mean tenacious d opened up for but also uh mike Patton and mm-hmm. uh, faith no more that was an awesome experience seeing oh, the faith, faith no, no more, more fans neil hamburger deal that with seems... Na- neil yeah. hamburger singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall and I if he remember... got interrupted he would <laughs> start <started> over <laughs> and it just went on for 30 minutes yeah <laughs> it was so great it was so great that's amazing. i remember him yeah. saying that uh he was about to bring out faith no more in brooklyn and he's like i'm i'm not going to do this until you lead me in a chant of smash mouth for five minutes <laughs> yeah i ran into him at uh we played a festival in uh calgary called sled island a few five years ago i guess and um i went and saw his show on the second night that that he was there and the first night the legend was um and it already well not the legend but it had gotten around the entire festival that some lady who didn't get his act at all got like really upset by the jokes that he was making and actually got on stage and punched him and which sounded kind of funny but then I was talking to him about it and he was not amused at all it was like it was scary and it fucking sucked Can I, I'm sorry am I supposed yeah, to yeah 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 sorry I said sucked <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that because my son will pick up on it oh okay um, oh, no. just don't let him listen to this podcast then all right, <laughs> Matt. That cuts our audience. I know. In half. I know. Like, oh, we went from one. You to just two, you're going to cut my son in half. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so, so obviously you brought up Neil. That's great. Mitch Hedberg just released a, a limited edition vinyl box set. All of his albums on vinyl for the first time, and it includes uh, a great set of him opening up for the Neville Brothers. Yes, he opened for the Neville. Wow. Brothers. Two sets opening up for the Neville Brothers, and zero people appreciated it. And yeah. listening to the, the that footage is pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I bet. The yeah. one time I got to see him was he was opening for. I don't remember the name of the guy, but I Aaron Neville. No, he was, a, he was one of those like guys who calls himself a comedian who holds a guitar and like sings songs the whole Stephen time. Lynch. Stephen Lynch. Yes. Stephen Lynch. How did you know immediately because, who it was? Because we are comedy. This is what we website. do all day. Yeah. This is what we do all day. Uh, and it was like one of those things where it was back to back shows and Mitch headlined the first one, the early one right. with Stephen Lynch opening. And the second one was uh, Mitch opening and then Stephen Lynch closing. And so the crowd, the crowd was all Stephen Lynch fans, except for like us and my friends there was one row of mitch hedberg fans and the Stephen lynch fans did not take too kindly to mitch's uh oh wow style really? and he was getting heckled and he was just crumbling it was like it was That's pretty sad to watch and his wife was there was Maybe. a curtain here and his wife was just on the other side just like yelling jokes to him and oh geez yeah, it, was, it was uncomfortable Oof. yeah shout out to lynn shawcroft man yeah. she's great she put people. the box out together yeah. she's great 
Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll have to find out a way to get you the recordings of that Neville Brothers set. Yeah, I'll send it to you. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, it's really good. You guys will appreciate it on the road. All right, well, let's uh, let's talk about the, the comedians you've been involved with directly because these yeah. people have surfaced, surfaced in your... Uh, Nothing less than amazing music videos. You guys are heroes to me when it comes to quality music videos. You guys have a lot of fun. Um, getting a check for five grand and watching it deplete yeah. <laughs> throughout a music video, I think, is a great concept. And uh, and seeing Brian Posehn work a gas station uh, is also very nice. So. Yeah. How did you end up getting directly involved with these comedians? I, I know Brian also released a record on Relapse. So yeah. did, did you guys find yourself? It was sort of, uh, yeah, it was kind of related to that. But it was um, we had actually just run into him uh, before we were uh, associated with Relapse on tour in 2007 or eight, beginning of 2008. Uh, he was playing a show in Ybor City, and we were playing there too, um, which I think is Tampa. Uh, and a couple of the dudes went over and got into the show and then talked to him afterwards and said, oh, we're playing next door. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I know uh, you guys and the other band that was playing Early Man. And so he came over to the show, and we, I don't know, some, you know, sort of struck up conversation. And then it was a couple years later when um, Whitey, who drew, he was, he's the really the brains behind all of our videos, uh, was talking about the scene in the convenience store and trying to figure out, like, which of our friends would be good to cast for the the clerk, and he just didn't have any good ideas. And then... I think John was saying, well, I've got tickets to see Brian Posehn in a couple of weeks. I could just send him like a direct message through Twitter and see if he like maybe he would be into it. And then he was just like immediately was just like, sure. Yeah, of course. So and had an afternoon. And, you know, he just like um, Fred is actually a professional actor. And it turns out that those guys can do shit way faster than uh, it takes us to like all day to do like one line to get it even remotely right. And, you know, they can do 15 or 16 different versions in, uh, you know, half an hour. So, yeah, he just came down and and just bashed it out. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Fred. I mean, like, these are obviously guys who have affinity for music. Like, Brian, like, if... Right. He was... He was... He's always talking about music. As long as I can remember, he's been... Had music in his act, and Fred Armisen, obviously, was in Trenchmouth, too. Yeah. You know, his hardcore band before that, too. So, it's uh, it's interesting how this music and comedy kind of always overlaps. I think it's because the hours of the evening in which, it's which, in which they both operate. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Night yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. You're not, like, librarians. How did you guys hook up with uh, Whitey McConaughey in the first place? Uh, he, you know, he lives in Portland and Portland used to be a real small town where everybody knew everybody. Uh, the dreams of the nineties are alive in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> now um, everyone's got two bikes. I just dream to be, I have a dream of being in my nineties in Portland. Um, cause then the pace of driving would make a lot more sense. Oh, okay. but, uh, <clears throat> I actually like that they drive so slow there, but, I, I uh, would, I would kill. I, I can't. I gotta go. I gotta yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people like that. Yeah. Well, I forgot what was the question. I'm sorry, you're Whitey. Uh, uh, meeting up with Whitey. Yeah. Oh right, relationship right. So yeah, I mean, he's so he was like, you know, he would go to shows all the time. He was a fan and taking pictures of of uh, of bands. Like he had a bunch of pictures of my old band before I I didn't even know him at that point. He was like, after we knew him for a couple of years, he was like, oh yeah, I have all these pictures of your old band from whatever. Um, but yeah, it was uh, the band that Brian and David and John were in before Red Fang had been pressuring Whitey for a long time to do a video for them because he did videos for some of our other friends that we really loved. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then we wrote that song, Prehistoric Dog, and he was like, okay, these guys, this is the perfect song for this idea that I have. And he approached us, and then it's just been a you know kind of magical relationship since then. That's great. Yeah, as soon as the Predator video came in, Brim's like, dude, get over here. We, yeah. we must have watched it 10 times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't, for little you know, Easter eggs. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's super fun. That was a really fun one to make, too. But um, and I guess the further, like, Whitey kind of came from the snowboarding world, and he also was, uh, and Chris Coyle, our tour manager, is from the snowboarding world, and, and Whitey also used to shoot a lot of the jackass stuff that they did in Portland. So, you know, just small Portland stuff. It's great, but it all came together for your benefit, man. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, very, very cool stuff. <laughs> and hopefully other people's, too. <laughs> and there is nothing, uh, like I mentioned before, like seeing Fred Armas get punched through the chest from behind. Uh, I don't know if you've zombies? seen that. that was, there were zombies yeah. in that video. The beer yeah. zombies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a lot of fun. Oh, and by the way, did you enjoy your diarrhea after purchasing the snacks from Posehn? <laughs> I or always that? enjoy my diarrhea. I enjoy everyone's diarrhea. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Well, just uh, from the second you guys step out on stage, you're just like a presence. You can tell um, you, you kind of uh, transcend individual pieces, you know, just like I said, with the handshake thing in the beginning and, and the way you guys look at each other and function. It's it's really impressive. And, it, and uh, I mean, it feels like you guys have been friends since childhood, you know. But uh, how long has it officially been since with this lineup and, and the only lineup, really, um, that you guys said, hey, we're Red Fang. This is it. We're doing it. We're all in. And, uh, you know, four albums later. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we did our first tour in 2006, I guess. So we've been doing the first very first show we played was as uh, Panda is what we called ourselves. But then it turned <laughs> out there's a bunch of pandas and we didn't want to be Panda X or Panda UK or, or Panda better than Express. Panda. Yeah. Panda <laughs> Express. Panda so. Express. Better Portland, than Panda. Portland Panda has a ring to it. Yeah. yeah the other Panda. Yeah, sure. Uh so we didn't want to pander to that. Uh, okay. Uh, I almost said that one. I held I, off. Yeah. I, 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 you went I, out I don't have. It. I don't have the pun filter, unfortunately. <laughs> I've been. I've had it installed several times, but it keeps breaking. It's okay, um, man. That's great. So, and which actually my son has inherited now. But, oh, nice. Uh, he's seven, and he's like already just terrible with the puns. Excellent. Well, this guy over here is. Yeah, he. Bad. We actually have in 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 our office. We uh we use this tool called slack right to inner office message each other and uh -huh. stuff and uh, you can create channels so that certain people can pay attention to certain messages and we literally have one called hashtag bram jokes and it's just all of his puns <laughs> that come yeah, out of his mouth all day puns. long yeah. and it's so bad his twitter's so pretty good for it's, that too. it's yeah. kind of like a tourette sort of uh, yeah totally like there's actually there's a syndrome and i don't remember what it's called but there is in fact a real medical diagnosis for this particular syndrome where people make puns constantly really and, but the but I read this. that they don't actually have a con have any conception that it's not funny so they actually think that they're hilarious <laughs> this sounds exactly like and it's, wow what's oh. it, I, wow like, I, I make I wish puns I had constantly, you for but Secret I, Harry. Goddamn, that would be so. I know perfect. exactly how unfunny some of the exactly. shit is. Exactly, that's the thing is that, that most people I'm aware that, of it. Right, most people that make puns know that they're not funny. Right, um, and then they kind of they sort of like enjoy the groans a little bit, you know. Absolutely. Um, hey, seven out of ten's not bad, right? Right. right. You're gonna throw ten of them out there. Seven's a pretty good number. Yeah. Well, so you and you confirmed medical diagnosis. Oh, it's a real thing. Uh, we're yeah. naming this episode of the podcast whatever that is. Yeah, we yeah. should look it up. I wish I could remember the name, but I'm a little yeah, bit we'll, slow we'll today. We'll get on that. We'll get on but, that. Um, I'm, I'm on the research. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know you had a problem when you you know you make ten different puns and you hope that one of them is going to land, but then no pun intended. <laughs> right, right. That's the old yes. school one, man. Yeah. That's like the vaudeville yes. pun. Yep, that's the classic pun. It's <laughs> the best it. one. It's pundemonium here on this podcast. Uh. But yeah, we've been together for um, ten or eleven years. Gotcha. It's called Weitz, uh, W I T Z E L S U C H T. Weisel sucked. Jesus. A rare neurological symptoms characterized by a tendency to make puns. A condition rarely diagnosed. <laughs> Weitzel sucked. I think it's how you pronounce it. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's how you pronounce it, but I like that that's how you yeah. pronounce it. <laughs> right. W-I-T-Z-E-L-S-U-C-H-T, how do you pronounce it? Weitzel and then sucked, S-U-C-H-T, Weitzel sucked. I don't know. All right, Aaron, you recently pumped out this video of- Pumped out? Pumped out. I'm going to use an Aerosmith term. Can I use an Aerosmith reference? No. Okay, fine. I'll unsay that. Um uh, we, we can see a video now of you encouraging us to do some adult coloring. Yes. And this is a fun little thing. And, and how's that campaign been going it's for been you guys? It's been going great. I mean, I uh, unfortunately am not connected to the social media world at all. So mm -hmm. I don't. I only see stuff that people forward to me. Right. But I've seen a few of the uh, entries and we all tried to do our own. Like I was coloring on that thing for probably 45 minutes. And it's really fun and it draws you, you know draws you it sucks you in <laughs> um but my drawing was horrible and i've seen some some people's like coloring efforts that are pretty dang impressive so yeah i'm having i am super stoked about that thing so you versus your son in this coloring situation he takes a cake oh like no no I, no i would destroy him you would <laughs> yeah not let him win. i would He's i can the force world. the pens out of his hands so even if, if he starts getting a lead then i'll just cheat until i win that's <laughs> oh, great what do you think the phenomenon is behind these adult coloring books i mean these things are everywhere <laughs> everywhere i think it's um 
I think as I was coloring in this this the page that uh, Tim Root did for us, I started feeling this kind of meditative state, and I think that it's basically I think it boils down to um, not to get too philosophical, but people spend a shitload of time on their screens and it's all about attention deficit stuff, you know, like there's constantly information coming in and you're all, you know, like if you're going to be late somewhere, you have to text somebody to let them know that you're going to be 14 seconds late instead of just showing up late. And, uh, it's just a way to kind of get out of the noise, I think of the world that we live in now and, uh, and do something that's kind of more physical, you know, you're working with materials and, um, and kind of getting out of the, that like chatter space and just focusing on something more meditative. Sure. And that 14 seconds could have been 10 seconds if you didn't take the time to text. Right. right exactly. To let them know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I lost been my on phone. Time. I lost my phone once for a couple of days. I left it at a movie theater and I was panicking for about the first two hours. And then because I couldn't get it back until the weekend was over, they were closed for the weekend or something. Right. It was like one of those uh, dinner, whatever. Um, and after a couple hours, it was like, oh, wait, this is actually way better. Everything is so much easier and more relaxing with no phone. Yeah. Because then you just show up when you're going to show up. Mm -hmm. Or you tell somebody, you write an email in the morning, here's what I'm going to do, and then I'll see you there or I won't. It's, it's crazy because, like, I actually remember that. Like, that was, I didn't get a cell phone until college, so my 20s. And I remember just like, yeah, you just left the house without a phone and it was fine. And yeah. I, sure. I, we're clearly the last generation that actually remembers that, you know. Yeah. Uh, Handwritten directions. Rand McNally. Yeah. Love that stuff. Love Encyclopedia Britannica, man. You have to go look stuff up in that encyclopedia. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love having the cell phone on yeah. tour, like going to Europe and you can map stuff out. And of you, course. You know, you don't have to worry about getting lost. I mean, I like getting lost, but uh, you can always find a way out. So, Yeah, there's something to that. There definitely is. Just kind of putting it down the phone. And I don't think it's a millennial thing. I think it's everyone. Like, I look oh, yeah. at my... Yeah, I look we at all my, get addicted. Like, I that. have nieces all under the age of 10 who stare at screens all day, but I have parents and grandparents, yeah, grandparents and, and uncles who are just like staring it's at addictive. Well. It is. It's addictive. It's super fun. Now, Aaron, at your show at Music Hall Williamsburg, uh, which was insanely awesome, v within the first five seconds, someone just climbed on the stage and ran and did a full head, you know, like yeah. head dart out into the crowd. Yeah, I saw that. And then... <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, oh, is he playing wireless? Is he not playing wireless? The last thing we need is for your bass amp to go out, you know. Yeah. But uh, do you prefer the rowdy crowds? Like, do you like when they get involved like that? Because it feels like those old school like club shows where you're grinding it out and everyone's just sort of on stage with you. You can really feel that energy. Yeah, I love it. it. I mean, I'm used to people fucking with my shit, you know, my pedals or whatever. Uh Usually, it doesn't happen at a at a venue like that. That's a little bit bigger. Right. In the smaller venues, I just plan ahead and just put my stuff at the back of the stage so that I know that it's going to be fine. But somehow, they were rowdy, but also very conscious, conscientious yeah, like or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like they knew that they could weren't supposed to go in that area or something. But I think it may hark. It may go back to uh, we played a show at Bowery, and a guy I saw it coming before it happened. A guy kind of fell like onto my mic stand and on my pedals and stuff. And I sort of lost my temper a little bit and kind of shoved him a little bit extra hard off the stage. And I think that maybe uh, people learned their lesson. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have seen you guys play a lot of like, just even relatively recently, like small, like almost warehouse DIY places in Brooklyn, like Palisades or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and we played uh, Mercury Lounge last night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one yeah. of our coworkers went to that show. Said it was awesome too. Was and yeah, that's a good. That's a good. And room. you've also played some like festivals too, right? Have yeah, you done any, like the Danny Wimmer Fest or something. Uh, like that? We're gonna play Rock on the Range again this year. Oh nice. Uh, oh wait, I don't think we're supposed to say that yet. No, I'll announced, cut it up. I think. Okay. <laughs> I think Bob we're... just smiles like yeah, 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 yeah whatever. It's, it's gonna it get out announced. there eventually. <laughs> okay. I I knew that. I knew it had been announced because I'm totally on social media. Yeah, didn't you tweet as it long out? as you write it on a piece of paper and hand it to me. Um. So, I mean, the question I was going to ask is having played festivals in front of, like, literally tens of thousands of people versus playing a warehouse or, you know, a little DIY venue, which you will still do. I mean, is there a big difference? Do you? No, like, they're exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> Just more so people. One's got more, more people, people jumping on stage no, they're, versus no, the other. They're, yeah, they're different. I mean, but it's like. <laughs> Love that answer. Uh, <laughs> I wish you just wouldn't have continued. <laughs> All right. Just I'll cut it right my, there. I'll see myself out. <laughs> I mean, the what really makes the show good is the energy of the crowd. 
and definitely there's like certain sh- like the when we played um Hellfest last time we were on the main stage and it was that was the biggest crowd we ever played for and there's no denying the force of seeing I think there was 30,000 or something maybe even more people there having all of those people there it's pretty overwhelming um but the energy that sometimes people bring at like a hundred person show when people are just like losing their shit is the same type of energy. So you get the same like buzz feeling that you get in both those situations. And then the shitty ones, the small shitty ones are shitty and the big shitty ones are also shitty. You know, when there's like (laughs) extra shit. Yeah. Just imagine, uh, four people standing there being kind of bummed out about your band that feels terrible. Now imagine 10,000 people standing there being bummed about your band. Also terrible. So, so I guess that's the long version of they're the same. Have you seen a, have you seen a noticeable change in uh, crowd etiquette over the years? The reason I ask is because like I, I was, I was at like, I think it was at the Warped Tour last year. And obviously the Warped Tour crowd's a little different than your crowd, but like there's like signs up. There's like no stage diving and no moshing. I'm like, but that's what like Warped Tour was founded on. Or am I just like the old curmudgeon guy who remembers the way it used to be? Like, I just feel like people don't have that interaction anymore. At certain at certain venues and cr- there's definitely certain venues. Yeah. My favorite sign ever about that was in a venue uh, I don't, can't remember the name of in Worcester. Worcester uh, Mass. Palladium. The Palladium, and I think it's the only venue in Worcester, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just uh, a wild guess. I mean, it gets cr- like the craziest crowd I ever saw. Yeah. The two craziest probably are. Um, one was in Poland, where we played in this um, convert old swimming pool. <laughs> And so there are people up on like oh, that's you know, cool. the edge of the pool, like kickboxer style, like, kind of yeah, you're down there fighting like yeah. man, damn. <laughs> but there were people like who would crawl up. It was the there's a little fence around the edge of the pool, what used to be filled with water, or okay. whatever. And people were climbing on the fence and jumping down onto the crowd from there, oh, so like oh, four or five feet down onto people's heads, which oh, seems God. like then you kind of understand why they put signs up in places because you can really get hurt. hurt. And I'm a dad now, so I think about this stuff a little more. (laughs) But um, I think that that show at at the Music Hall of Williamsburg, just I almost said something during the show, like we've learned a lesson tonight, which is that uh, if you want to stage dive, you should be tall and skinny. (laughs) <laughs> or like just don't weigh very much because it's real hard when you know yeah. if the crowd is all moving around and they're not ready to catch you right that the, that guy you're talking about who took the header he did it like 20 more times yeah, after he that but he still learned his lesson and started kind of just like leaning Fell back backwards. into the crowd yeah. so i don't know i mean i think that it just depends on where you are but okay. anyway i did want to point out the sign of the palladium which says um uh cuz we talk about it all the time still on tour the sign very big plastered permanently by the side of the stage no face punching <laughs> there's like no stage diving no crowd surfing no face punching and so clearly that sounds about right for worcester massachusetts yeah, but, oh, but the thing is so that good. is it really just face punching that's such a problem are the other types of punching is are dick fine yeah, yeah. dick fine. punching dick butthole fine. punching yeah. pussy punching you can do all of those but no Your face, face punching, punching. <laughs> that's great that goes over the line you've stepped over the line sir well, let's uh, let's swing it back to, to comedy if we can, and, and uh, yes, please. because you do see a lot of these shows, that's so great that you guys you know find out who's doing stand up when you're you know traveling town to town. Yeah, what have been some of your favorite memorable shows or like uh, um, stand up shows? That yeah, I've seen? yeah, stand up uh, shows and people you dig. You, obviously, you mentioned Neil Hamburger, but um, and Mitch, it's a, and bummer, Mitch. it's a bummer that you got a, a bad Mitch show because I know not, that, that I don't is... I don't recall many of them happening. Oh, it wasn't a bad show. It was just a bad crowd. Okay, okay. Yeah. so he was great. It was just it kind of started deteriorating at the end, I but it was you. good. It was still great. Um, I mean. Basically, every one that I've seen live has been my favorite because I love live comedy. It's just <laughs> a great. totally different thing than on the record. Um, the very first show that I ever saw, uh, I was like, oh, wait, you can actually go see live comedy? You know, because I, I <laughs> such a fun concept, yeah. I was that age where I watched all of the 80, you know, when, during that 80s heyday, just sure. like yeah, evening at the improv and all yeah. that shit was on late night TV all the time. HBO Brick wall. Had some yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Brick wall comedy, like downstairs from here. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so, and I just kind of didn't even occur to me that you could act, that I could go to one of those things. And there was a place in Portland um, called Harvey's, and uh, you could get. I worked at OHSU, the the research hospital, and there was like ticket packages, so you could just get tickets for free, basically. 
um, as long as you bought a meal. And I went and saw Bob Zaney. Sure. With uh, wow, Bob some Zaney. with some local comedians. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. And yeah. I was like. Bob Zaney's not, my, you know, I, well, I was like, whoa, shit, this guy from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, late Night Specials is going to be in Portland. And he wasn't my favorite dude from that era, but live, it was awesome. And I had no idea how much, like, the energy of kind of, like, the nervousness of the crowd adds to the effect of, um, uh, you know, nervousness and, and awkwardness makes you laugh more when the... Uh, funny things do happen, and, and yeah, and there's a contagion to the crowd too. It's like if yeah, they exactly. laugh, you're like, oh, that's funny. <clears throat> and then sometimes someone will laugh, and then you'll laugh at their laugh being weird or funny, and, yeah. then, you, and then it just kind of yeah. snowballs from there. Yeah. That's like and going so, to a rock show. I mean, you go to a show, you go to a concert, you want to rock. You go to a comedy show, you want to laugh. Oh, it's yeah, up to them to make you not laugh. Like, yeah, yeah, it's true. That's and that's I one of the things about the rock shows that I feel like there's certain shows that um, it takes people a long time to kind of feel like less shy about just dancing around and then once they you get enough people dancing then it just goes nuts and that's the best but so as far as the comedy shows that i've seen that are my favorites you know it's i just saw dave Chappelle was amazing nice seeing uh mitch hedberg was amazing uh i haven't seen louis ck yet but uh uh brian post we actually did a show with brian Posehn. he was great um uh and neil hamburgers was excellent up in um yeah, uh, Sled Island. You know, uh, Brian is actually. Many people credit Brian to be the first comedian that openly mocked Nickelback. So that joke about everyone hating Nickelback, they attribute to Brian Post. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least that's like everything I've ever heard about. Like, yeah. yeah. Brian's like, oh yeah, bro. Like I've been to comedy festivals where other people have been like Brian Postain is the first person I ever heard. Yeah. To, to, to make those jokes. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to kind of a weird badge of honor. Right. But right. Right. At the same time, it's like very like oh okay I can see Brian. Postain, yeah, but it's like, you know there's like Nickelback. everyone makes fun of Justin Bieber. It's just like he's a punchline. Yeah. And but the idea that Nickelback like there was <laughs> that you can trace back. Yeah. The guy yeah. Trace it back to the guy. That started that show. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's Posein, apparently. Yeah. yeah, and his latest album cover is awesome too. Yeah. Man. Oh, and I did Posein. see. I also saw. Um, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's fine. I please. saw when Mr. Show did their their tour. Yeah, the reunion tour. That. Yeah, that was, was a good one. So good. And I saw um, Kids in the Hall. Nice. Yeah. Reunion thing, which is also really, really. We just good. had Kevin. McDonald yeah, we just had Kevin McDonald on the podcast. Yeah, he's a big music fan. Like he oh, yeah? actually started a podcast where he talks about music, and we and got into. Pixies replacements, big star. We were talking about Weezer. We yeah, talked a lot about Weezer. He's a big power pop guy. Big power he pop like fan. really got deep yeah, yeah, in. Yeah. He was so super into it. Yeah, it he's really, really cool. into music and musicians and stuff too. So I, I, I love that. I love that when those that admiration kind of crosses over yeah. between musicians and comedians and other forms of art too. All right. So in in your videos, we also see you guys referencing things like comic books. We're all yeah. sort of comic book nerds here as well, man. Yeah. So it's been lifeblood since day no. one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> yes. Oh, and, oh yep, Marvel versus DC. <laughs> Bram's got nothing. What do you got? What do you got? The, the shark. Helicoprian. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Which my son identified immediately. That's oh respect. Yeah. Right. Respect. Where'd you get a well. helicoprian shirt? A helicoprian. Helicoprian. That's awesome. Yeah. Prehistoric uh, shark. I'm. I'm <laughs> I was gonna say. I'm going to ask you that question. Where do you get one of those shirts? Uh, from a guy called AJ Gregory. He's okay. an artist out of. Um, he played in a band called Giant Squid. He's out of. Uh, oh wow. The All Bay right. Area, and he uh, has a whole line of them. I got a ton of them. They're great. And he. Uh, yeah, he I'll look them up. I'll totally score called, one of these. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. They have it's a name for his line, but yeah. Yeah, I'll check it out, man. They're great. That's awesome. Historic yeah. shark line. Yeah. So, so when you were a kid, uh, I mean, obviously you found comedy. That's great. So, what was it for comic books and stuff for you? Were you? Uh, I was not a huge. I've had long discussions with uh, one of my old bandmates about like the subset of people who are super into comic books. There's like a few. There's whatever ten percent of the population is super into comics, and then. There's not a lot of people who are like kind of into comics, mm -hmm. yeah. but I'm one of those people who's kind of into them. Yeah, you just when had I, your toe in. That's yeah. fine. And the movies so, have helped. They've yeah. Kind oh, of yeah, helped for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. But when I was a kid, uh, the two comics that I sort of collected were um, not really very good ones. They were G.I. Joe and Transformers. Oh, that's, those are great. What's wrong yeah. with that, man? There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but then my favorite comic ever is uh, Yummy Fur by far. So I don't know <laughs> if you guys... And I, and I also was like super into... Um, uh, uh, Watchmen and the Dark oh, sure. Knight. So yeah, more is Alan the man. Moore. Yeah, he's exactly. good. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. Do you yeah. guys, you guys are familiar with Yummy Fur and with Chester Brown? 
I'm not. No. You have to check it out. It's very weird. Okay. It's my absolute favorite comic. It's like one of my favorite I'm excited. books check ever. It it's really strange, but I love it. I'm in. Yeah. Sounds like Sold. I, I yeah. got into comic. My my. I got into comic books based on like the uh, the the artist. Okay. Like I, like I I got into comics. I was about it was about the '90s, and I was like it was like Todd McFarlane was my guy. Like oh, so, yeah, yeah. so when he was drawing Spider Man, it was Spider Man. When he yeah. was drawing, when he started Image Comics and and Spawn and all that stuff, yep. I was into that. The, like some of the, the McFarlane Spider Mans were like some of the best looking Spider-Man poses of all time. And then yeah. he, he, he drew like the iconic Carnage to me and the iconic Venom characters to me too. So, mm-hmm. But uh, before that, it was Punisher. Punisher War jo- Warzone, War Journal, the Punisher comic books I just read yeah. oh, like a motherfucker. I read them all the time. Disco boots and all. And he had those white disco boots. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt's wearing a pair right now, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> not on his feet, no. though. No. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope, I am not. But in his mind. But, uh, but Watchmen, I mean, they, that's the quintessential, like, it's just an unbelievable comic. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, I have I have my, my opinions about the movie, but I think the movie actually does. I never it's saw good. the movie. The I movie? was going to ask you, did you, because the director's cut, which has yeah. a whole bunch of extra stuff, is has the Black Freighter. Com- okay. It has the Black Freighter comic book. Yeah, it's all woven in and everything. It's as close as you're going to get to being satisfied and worth the watch. Yeah. You're not going to... I think it's also the best, the best Zack Snyder movie. I don't think he... I, I think his movies are very hit or miss with me, and I think he, yeah. the Watchmen, he did justice, so... But yeah, I mean, Rorschach, so awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it Jack, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, or yep. whatever his name is? Oh, is that who plays him? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's so he, good at it's, it. Yeah. It's definitely worth your time, and, and now seeing it, at, seeing it, you know, what's, it, what's it been, 10 years since The Watchmen came out, the movie? Yeah, mm, maybe even more maybe. now. I don't 2005. Know. Now that you've had all this time away, you probably will appreciate it. You don't have to deal with like the hype and the buzz right, about right, it. So right, you right. just actually just watch yeah. it. Though. But uh, that Kingdom Come is another great graphic novel too. With uh, who drew that? The guy that painted all that stuff for DC. I'm blanking on his name right now. But that's Lee? No, no, no. He was he. Lee? No, he was an artist who drew, drew a ton of DC stuff. But he basically Picasso. Like, <laughs> it was Picasso, correct? He was an artist. Yes, yes he and was. he does have something hanging in DC somewhere. I'm sure. Yes, but he. <laughs> so. But he paint. He painted. He painted a lot of uh, his comic book cells. Kingdom Come is a gorgeous looking. Cool. Yeah. Have you seen? This is a little bit off topic, but that's yeah, fine. Uh, I think it was at a museum in DC that I saw. You guys know what exquisite corpses are? That drawing where you. You take a piece of paper and fold it into thirds, and then somebody draws the head and then leaves like little lines down into the middle part, and then somebody else draws the ah, middle part, and cool. you leave little lines, and somebody draws the, the legs. It's a super fun game to play when you're stoned with your friends. <laughs> um, exquisite corpse. Exquisite corpse. I've heard the phrase before. I've never done it. But there's, uh, there's a bunch of exquisite corpse drawings that were made. It was like Picasso and uh, I can't remember who the other... like. M.C. Escher, when he was still alive. Oh, I got yeah. you. So you draw top, middle, and bottom. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, and you have each person. You don't see the other parts. And right. You just gotcha. draw it, and oh, it, it so turns fun. out some really weird shit, but Picasso did some, and those they're f- amazing. So anyhow. Wow. Um, nice. So how do you guys uh, decide who gets to wear the cool T-shirt in a video as well? Um, your drummer, John, rocked I was a, just about to say, it's usually just John. Yeah. That's how we decide is because John has them, because <laughs> he goes to $6shirts.com. Oh, okay. Because he, he was sporting a quality Who Farted shirt, yeah. uh, which was solid. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, he probably wins out every time, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, <laughs> so I there's mean, always he, one guy in the band that just goes to town with that stuff. I had, for a while, I had one of my favorite shirts was uh, uh, the Mountain shirt that I got in Canada. That was um, I had actually seen a kid wearing it in Paris, and I was like, that is amazing. I have to get that shirt. And it's like a bright green tie-dye with two kittens um, swatting at a butterfly with rainbows in the background. Oh, and man. it's like, oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> I wore it for a while, but I kind of wore it out. It's sort of a little disgusting. I thought you were so. going like a Game of Thrones, the mountain. That's where I was like, oh, where's this going? Oh, no, no, no. It's Butterflies a brand, it's, yeah, the it's a, it's a shirt brand. They make like truck, you know, truck stop shirts. Sure. I guess you can only wear a shirt like that so many times out before people are like, oh, there goes. There's there. that shirt again. The old kitten <laughs> batting at the <laughs> butterfly <laughs> with the rainbow. There goes sparkles. Aaron Tie-Dye. I'm yep. gonna uh, I'm gonna have to send again. you I would have to send you this guy Andy Gonsalves who does killer shirts where it'll be like um, uh, two cute little kittens and they're swatting at a grenade oh, or, yeah, or yeah. like a cat who's cut off someone's tongue with a bloody saw and I love he's it. running away with it you'll you'll really yeah. enjoy these shirts <laughs> they're they're super awesome I'll, I'll swap you shirts for shirts um, I shirts I have something good. that I just remembered that I'm gonna bring up I'm gonna ask yeah. myself a question sure sure um no I'm gonna ask you a question okay. Do you want to ask me if I ever did stand up? Uh, <laughs> it's actually funny. 
it's funny you the mention that. The look on your face, like, no, seriously, ask me if I've ever done stand up. Well, it's funny you mention that because I was going to bring up. Uh, have you ever done stand up yourself, Aaron? Is that something? Funny you uh, should ask. Is that uh, the answer I mean, is no. <laughs> Uh, that's a good opener. That's yeah. a good opener. <laughs> strong. I'm strong. sitting that currently sitting. Uh, no, I actually I did do stand up once. It is funny you in, should in ask. Portland? In Portland. In Portland. Uh, well, it's funny a friend you of mine asked me to ask. I mean, that's really the funniest part of that whole thing. A uh, friend of mine tricked me into doing it. Um, she tricked you. She yeah, did. I, she I and she's trigger. a very persuasive person. Uh, she and a bunch of friends had a um, art gallery sort of a co-op art gallery that was um, above a video store in Portland. And she asked me, she was like, you're funny. Would you want to do stand-up comedy at our gallery? And I was like, uh, no. And then she um, she said, well, well, look, you don't have to do, you don't have to go on for very long and you can do it anytime you want. You can pick the date, give yourself plenty of time to, to um, you know, prepare for it or whatever. And she basically ended, ended up convincing me and I said, sure, I'll do it. And I thought that it was going to be a night of like a bunch of comedy. And I picked a date that was like four months away. Uh, and then comes closer to the show. And it turns out that it's just me basically opening for two um, guitar, you know, like singer-songwriter people. So it's like not the most conducive to being a <laughs> situation for a first-time stand-up comic. Um, and I'll, But I was a little bit too cocky. And so I spent... Uh, all of those four months not preparing and the night before I started just kind of like kind of free flowing with some ideas while I was like hanging out with my girlfriend and she was just like oh, that's no that's I'm sorry that is terrible you know just like kind of like new anybody ever notice in the newspaper that the ink is black or whatever yeah. um, uh, it's a good middle it's a good middle <laughs> but um so ended up like just panicking so hard because it was the night before I didn't know what I was going to do. And then as I was falling asleep and kind of in sort of dream state, I kind of came up with these weird ideas and ended up doing about 10 minutes. I opened it. They were both of the guys who were playing were doing a lot of covers. They were like doing blues covers or whatever. And so I opened up my set with a couple joke covers. I did a emo Phillips <laughs> cover uh, nice. and uh Stephen Wright cover. Yes, Why can't you do covers of jokes? If you can do covers of songs, uh, that's a good question. I don't really know. Most people just c- c- accuse you of thievery if that's the case. Yeah, man. but I, they were called covers. This is so true. Yeah, man. I'll also, pay some. Yeah, there's also. I'll uh, pay royalties. <laughs> what's it? Uh, stick or treat? Is that, is that, yeah. There's, a, there's a, a, a series that happens in uh, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn around Halloween time where basically people go up dressed as their favorite favorite comic and do five, ten minutes oh, nice. as their favorite comic. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, you could. You should get so, on the next year's yeah. bill, so, man. But I only did Portland. T- I only did three stri- covers, stri- and then I did my own material after that, and it was like pretty juvenile. But uh, <laughs> there was people that I didn't even like, people I didn't know, uh, and then met years later who were like, "Oh my god, that was that stand-up was hilarious." I actually <laughs> did. In in fairness to myself, it actually was really good. I mean, it was not like sophisticated. <laughs> it was a lot of you know, like masturbating with my dad kind of jokes. Okay, but um. <laughs> Uh, there was an arc to with it. With and, and alongside like, are two yeah. complete... Like, so you came up with the jokes while masturbating with your dad. <laughs> right, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking, wait, with or it's alongside? It's not a joke. <laughs> that is serious. But um, there was an arc to it, and I did callbacks and whatever. Like, Sure. And it was right around the time that that... Um, but I also did a whole bunch of like anti-anxiety pills and drank like a, 16 beers before I went on because I was so nervous and uh, knew... The instant that I was done, that I would never want to do that again, because <laughs> it was super fun and right. it got me really excited, and people were laughing, and it was also I could just see into my future becoming a drug addict, and like <laughs> there's a thing about doing stand-up where your self-worth is really tied into how you do on stage. At least that was my impression mm-hmm. of it, and I can see like, and then right around that same time that movie Comedian came out about sure. you Seinfeld, know, Orny Seinfeld. And Seinfeld yeah. yeah, and you could just see how much like everyone is so insecure. Oh, and yeah. even like Seinfeld comes off as this like he's the confident guy and then he goes to meet Bill Cosby and he's like just shrivels. He just shrinks down mm-hmm. to a tiny little person again. And uh yeah, it was like that was those two things together and I knew that that was not the world for me. It was fun, <laughs> but I could see the future and it was bleak. So <laughs> It gave me an even bigger respect for comedians and what they do because it is not easy. 
No, definitely not. All right, two uh, two quick questions here, and we'll get you out of here. And thank you so much for oh, the yeah. time, Aaron. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks um, for letting me ask, ask myself a question. Yeah, <laughs> no absolutely. Any Anytime. Yeah, do you have any more you no. want to? <laughs> um, the first thing is, uh, I love watching crowds bob their heads right while they're you know rocking out to your music. But then you guys switch up time signatures or throw in a seven eight or something like five six something tricky, and then they're off count, and then yeah. and then you bring it back, and then, okay, they're back on, you know. Yeah. And I am a real nerd about that stuff. I love doing yeah. that and seeing that happen. But um, it do you do you guys gravitate? more towards uh, music that isn't straightforward 4-4 just for the challenge? Do you, have you guys always just enjoyed that kind of music or does it as feel good to do that within your own As far as like space? for us writing? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, it's, no, it's unintentional. Mm -hmm. It's uh, something that Brian and I both do uh, unintentionally all the time and it kind of drives people crazy sometimes because like there's a song that we play, I think we did it in the set in Brooklyn that actually is just short by one sixteenth note mm -hmm. and it's a riff that i wrote and i was like oh this feels so good and then john was like i can't play drums to it for some reason i don't know why and then we had to and then we counted it out and we tried playing it with putting that extra 16th note back in and it just sounded totally Crappy. lame yeah and mm. so uh yeah it's just something that brian and i both have like f i guess fucked up brains and it's not just fucked what? up brains. It's good brain. Okay. It's okay. good brain, man. That's now, did you get rid of the thing. E and or the, the E and uh? Which one did you get rid of? Like, do you tell do you tell John or is he no? The uh. It was the uh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. And the last question, and uh, we like to ask everyone this. Um, when did you realize you weren't going to be a professional athlete? <laughs> was there a specific what? moment? I'm not? Time? Was there a specific oh. moment in time for you? A memory that you're like, yep, yeah, this isn't going to work out? Um. I never, I have seen the same exact thing happen to my son. This is a very serious answer. Uh, I have zero athletic uh, inclinations or talent at all. And I just knew, I remember like in track and field day when we had to do like the high jump that I just was standing in the gymnasium kind of like fiddling with the door so that I could, and just letting the line go past me because I just didn't want to do it because I was terrible at all that stuff i never had any aspirations at all and like my son the other day was just talking about how all the kids at school like i just he's talking about himself he's like i just can't run i can't jump like i just can't do that stuff not in a oh feel sorry for myself way he's just like that's just not my thing i can't do it and i'm not interested in it like i kind of like he likes playing and he likes being at the gym but he or you know on the the playground but yeah so i knew this is a very long answer but i <laughs> never had any thought of ever becoming a professional athlete and now i am one <laughs> that's true well we want to thank uh, the field field goal kicker for the denver broncos for joining us <laughs> aaron it's always good to see you are you a raider guy no no i said i am a denver broncos fan it turns out unfortunately it's matt prater matt prater is what i said oh prater gotcha yeah. uh well you ruined my childhood uh, being from cleveland uh, oh in, no in the, in sorry the 80s, about that so yeah three out of four years yeah. uh, i wanted to murder everybody in denver yeah, fair <laughs> it was enough. brutal but John always a champion. What can you do? He's really good. All right. Well, uh, Aaron, pleasure to meet you. Thanks for the time, man. Congrats on the new record and all the success so far with Red Fang. And tell all the guys we said hi. And and uh, next time you're in New York City, man, we'll we'll uh, we'll set up a showcase for you. Maybe we'll all jump up on stage, do some stand up. <laughs> A couple awesome. of these guys haven't, I don't think so. Well, we'll, put we'll them all do stand-up, and then we'll show how we're not professional stand-ups. I have a killer three. It's a very tight three. <laughs> <laughs> I can get about 30 seconds. Just all puns. 60 yeah. seconds of straight punnage. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Aaron of Red Fang. Awesome dude, right? Very cool. Very dude. smart guy too. Yeah, yeah. Very intelligent. You could and, tell he was. And you uh, could tell schooled. some of the, his, his sense of humor was really great too. Like he would give like one word answers, but like deliberately with like a smirk on his face. So, right. Yeah, Seeing how we would dehandle yeah, exactly, it, and deal with exactly. it, exactly. Like, and uh, these guys a little bit. Yeah. And he was psyched too. Like he would try to start describing a comedian. We're just like bam, bam, yeah, bam. And he's like, Hammer. oh wow, got you it. guys are good. Stephen Lynch man. got it. Speaking of Stephen Lynch. Yes. January 16th, we're presenting a show at Starland Ballroom. We absolutely come, are. Come one, come all. Read the website for details, but you can uh, find out. But uh, it's it's a, it's another one of our series and the Laugh Button presents at Starland Ballroom, so pretty yep. stoked about that. Yeah. Tickets on sale right now. Go to thelaughbutton.com for your, your uh, code, and uh, we'll be doing some fun stuff surrounding that show as well. Uh, so just stay tuned right here to the Laugh Button Podcast for more announcements and, of course, on the website. Follow us on all the socials at the Laugh Button. Follow Matt. At I am Klein Schmidt. I am at Mark Says Hi. That's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank Aaron again of Red Fang. 
Uh, Thanks to Juggalo Bob from Relapse for bringing him in. Shout out to Juggalo Bob. That's right, Juggalo Bob. Forgot about Juggalo Bob. And if (laughs) you want to get in touch with the show, hit us up at, uh, well, it's just podcast at thelaughbutton.com.